This podcast of Left, Right, and Center is a production of KCRW Santa Monica and KCRW.com. Support for KCRW podcasts comes from the Southern California Lexus dealers. From KCRW Santa Monica and KCRW.com, this is Left, Right, and Center. You like potato? And you like potato? You like tomato? And you like tomato? Potato? Potato? Tomato? Tomato? There's a new year on the political horizon. Will it be peace and harmony at last, or more battlefronts at home and abroad? Hmm, let me guess. Hello again, and welcome to Left, Right, and Center, public radio's civilized yet provocative antidote to the screaming talking heads that dominate political debate. Matt Miller is away this week. I'm Lawrence O'Donnell, executive producer and writer of The West Wing. Sundays at 8 on NBC, sitting in as moderator today. Join me, joining me from the left, from San Francisco, is Robert Shear, a syndicated columnist based at the San Francisco Chronicle and editor of the investigative internet magazine truthdig.com. On the right from Washington, D.C., is Tony Blankley, editorial page editor of the Washington Times and author of The West's Last Chance, Will We Win the Clash of Civilizations? question mark. All that's on the cover of Tony's book. Ariana Huffington is also away today. Tony, uh, let's look ahead for the year 2006. Give me your view of what we're going to see in Iraq in the next year. Well, first of all, I don't claim any prescience. Um, but I would be surprised if we came to great success. Uh, I suspect that we'll still see a lot of struggling between uh, the different factions as they try to form a government, form it, probably unform it, if, if, my, if my hunches are right. Uh, some level of violence will continue. Uh, I don't think at this point it's likely to be a decisive year of complete success, and I don't currently see evidence that it's imminently going to collapse in, into civil war. My guess is this is going to be one of those years of minimal, you know, somewhat ups and downs, but no decisive move. Bob Shear, what do you see in 2006 in Iraq? Well, I think the administration is caught in a real dilemma, and since uh, they represent us, we're caught uh, in this problem. Uh, it's clearly easier to get into a mess like this than to get out of it. Uh, what is re the result is that we've created a base of Islamic fanaticism in an otherwise previously secular country, Iraq. We've extended the reach of uh, the theocratic uh, revolutionaries of Iran over the region. They now control a very significant portion of the oil. Uh, we shouldn't kid ourselves. The people who are in power in Iraq and will remain in power are people who were trained in Iran, who are loyal to that vision of uh, Shiite Islamic revolution, and they will attempt to carry it out. And so I predict that we will have a great deal of trouble. I would like to suggest that those who say that's just the reason for staying in are missing the point. The longer we stay in, the worse the situation gets, because uh, we are the organizing tool. We are the way in which they attract uh, people to uh, rise up against us. And I think an orderly uh, departure uh, with continued financial aid uh, for rebuilding uh, dams and so forth, but an orderly departure declaring victory. You know, we've had an election, and now it's time for the Iraqis to rule Iraq, which, after all, is what freedom is supposed to be all about. Speaking from the objective center, as is my task this week, uh, let me suggest that I believe that 2006 will be the year of the Republican cut and run 
in Iraq. Whenever you hear Republican presidents accusing Democrats of being weak-willed uh, people who are ready to cut and run from a war, what that means is that the Republican president is in the process of doing exactly that. We saw Nixon do this with Vietnam. It was the stupidest cut-and-run strategy ever since it took him four years to execute it, and then he ran the military out of the country in defeat. And uh, the Republican president will be forced to do that this year by Republican congressmen and by domestic politics. I believe that we will see a drawdown of at least 50,000 troops uh, from Iraq, whether it is uh, justified militarily on the ground or not, according to the president's objectives, and that the entire exercise for the president this year will be how do we define uh, how quickly we are actually leaving Iraq so that the Republican Congress can get itself reelected in, uh, in the midst of still being involved in what was a majority, now a majority, unpopular war in the United States. Tony, I respectfully invite your disagreement. <laughs> it, it, I, it's certainly a plausible description. <laughs> I think it's not the case, but, I, but if it does become the case, I will certainly, and, and my editorial page of the Washington Times will be extraordinarily vigorous in criticizing this administration if, if we judge that they are trying to cut and run. Uh, and I think they would, in so doing, undercut uh, any chance of, of, of Republican success because the base 40 percent of the electorate, which is Republican, uh, I think would be inflamed by the betrayal. And, that's, and I think both for that reason and because I think Bush actually believes in the project, it won't happen. But it's plausible uh, that if he weakens his will, uh, pressured, given good, bad advice, he might go that way. But I'd bet against it. Bob Shear, do you think the Republicans uh, in Congress will want to go into an election uh, perceived as can holding the line in Iraq and fighting the good fight or uh, initiating a drawdown of American involvement in Iraq? Well, I do think... The, the, you know, you, what you both said is true. Uh, uh, I think there's a, a strong uh, feeling in both parties now that we got to get out of Iraq. Uh, but it took Nixon, as you say, four years to do it, and he killed another, you know, million people or more. I believe the grand total in, in Vietnam was 3.4 million, according to McNamara, and uh, Nick, Nixon uh, had at least half of those. Uh, so I want to just object to the cut-and-run language. Uh, the three of us on this show are not cutting and running. First of all, we're not there. Uh, we're not paying the price. Maybe we are with some of our tax dollars. Uh, but this, this war uh, is impacting, first of all, the Iraqi people. Uh, an extreme way, uh, but it's impacting those Americans who are expected to fight. And if the 40 percent of the of the electorate, that is the Republican base, is so enthusiastic for this war, why don't we do it with voluntary contributions of both manpower and taxes? Uh, why don't they tell us, uh, show us the great sense of sacrifice and not ask for tax breaks and uh, all kinds of defense contracts and all kinds of boondoggles at this time? Why don't they tell us just how much they believe in this and, and, and volunteer well, uh, and let, step let up just, and do it? Let, let me just point out that the polls show that, what, 65 percent of the active military supported this war. I assume that a high percentage of them are Republicans. So, in fact, without any effort, a majority of the volunteers who are fighting this war are conservatives and Republicans. So they're already doing that, that which you request them to do. Tony, look ahead for the year in what you think is going to happen in the controversy surrounding the president's surveillance powers. 
maybe I've completely misjudged uh, the public. I think it's going to be a wash as a political issue. And are we going to have congressional investigations? We're going to have some kind of hearings. I think they'll be largely classified hearings with some kind of, of, of public hearing. All inspector, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, has said he's going to do it. I'm sure he will. I think that the excitement will die. Maybe I'm hoping this, but, but, but it's hard to, to separate hope from expectation sometimes. But I just suspect that there won't be a clear political victor for either party, either side of the argument. The country probably splits relatively evenly on this idea on the question of security versus uh, intrusions into civil liberty, and that it'll peter out as a hot political issue and will get bogged down in, in legislation that may or may not go anywhere in litigation, perhaps, if, if, if somebody can figure out how to litigate the case since all the people who are alleged victims are presumably not known to the ACLU currently. Bob Shear, do you think that one will peter out? I don't think it'll peter out, but I think Tony's right in his confidence that this Congress can stifle any investigation, destroy the whole principle of uh, checks and balances in American democracy, uh, condone torture, condone rendition of prisoners, and condone Did I really the say that? violation <laughs> of the freedom of American people. Basically, what you're saying is there's nothing to investigate, and they can keep a lid on it. If uh, you know the idea that that an American I, I would phrase it differently. So I think systematically I did phrase it differently. shred our rights, and that there not be any congressional challenge shows the the. F- problem of having a Republican-dominated Congress. What is it? What do you need for an investigation? Does this guy have to get a blowjob in the White House to have it? I mean, consider what Clinton was investigated for, what the challenge of, of, of the Congress uh, to Clinton and, and what Bush has been able to get away with. It, it, it seems to me to advertise American democracy as a tepid and, uh, and not very exciting affair to the rest of the world. I, 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 think, I just wonder, where is accountability? How does a you guy know, deceive at such a grand level and yet not held accountable uh, by the Congress was just supposed to check his power. Bob, how do you think that the, that controversy will affect the renewal of the Patriot Act, which will only has a month uh, to run in 2006 at this point? Well, I think any time you can evoke national security, you can get away with it. That's that's the whole reason. I, I don't know. Every once in a while, I bring up George Washington. The whole reason to avoid these foreign entanglements, uh, these adventures that the neoconservatives got in, us into, is that you pay the price of liberty. Uh, that's that's the reason. Yes, if you know uh, you want to go marching over the world and, and meddling everywhere, you're going to end up lying to the American people and you're going to end up destroying their freedoms. And that's what's happened here. And true conservatives used to understand that. They, they're now largely silent. Tony, the renewal of the Patriot Act has to come a, a, a month into the uh, really at the very outset of the, of the new congressional session. Uh, that's going to ripen this uh, controversy and intensify it, don't you think? It's I think the it's going to be interesting. It's going to come the week after uh, the State of the State of the Union is January thirty first this this next year, and um, the, this uh, bi- this bill expires I think February third. So yeah, there's going to it's going to be uh, a mess going into that. I suspect that something very much like the the bill that got filibustered in the Senate. Uh, will emerge as, as a compromised document. I, I th- it is itself a compromised document. It has almost 30 what's argued to be civil libertarian improvements, I don't think they are, over the uh, old first enacted law. Uh, I suspect that maybe after one more quick continuance of a few weeks, we'll have it done by uh, Valentine's Day, maybe. Bob Shear, who do you think is going to come out on the, the political winning side of this controversy? Will uh, will the Democrats in in their uh, 
interest in editing the Patriot Act and in, in subduing it a bit and and their concern about surveillance, will will that be the winning side of, of, of this situation or will the Republican side of, you know, we want to be the tough international cop and the tough, tough domestic cop that's really – uh, cracking down on Al Qaeda, and we're going we're to use these tools, and we're going to use the Patriot Act, we're going to use massive surveillance uh, in the way that you want us to use it, uh, you the country. Which one of those uh, sides is going to be the winning side in this? Well, in the short run, certainly, uh, and you could have written the speech for them with that little <laughs> spiel. Uh, in, in the short run, the demagogues always win. You play the national security card. You talk about the enemy at the gate, and you say you have to give up your freedoms, and we see that in societies throughout the world, however they define themselves. That's the great enemy, certainly, of democracy. The counterargument is is – uh, much more sensible, but not as easily made, uh, because you have to rise beyond, uh, you know, above barroom conversation and, and make the argument of the founders, of people who wrote our Constitution, which is that freedom makes us stronger, and that debate and dissent and a free society and people who will question will leave us stronger, uh, rather than an intimidated society in which our president has imperial powers and can frighten the public. Can, and we, can we know just that point- whenever we or any other society has been intimidated by the leaders, big mistakes are made, and I I think going into Iraq was just such a big mistake, and people yeah, went along can, with it because they were frightened. So, can Tony, we just, Tony can go we ahead. Just, can we just point out for a second that, that we're not talking about suppressing dissent or freedom of expression? I mean, in other words, every time we, we this topic comes up regarding computers, what we're talking about is computers pulling words out of out of telephone or email communications that are key words, and they, and they group them and they look like word for like bomb terrorist, jihad, et cetera, and God knows what other look they're looking for. And, and this helps our, our anti-terrorist agents trying to detect whether there's an intruder approaching. And to con- con- conflate that with suppressing dissent and freedom of expression is, for me, an extraordinary extrapolation. We will have to continue. Hold hold it right there. We're going to have to continue our incisive analysis of what to expect in the political year ahead in just a moment. But first, you're listening to Left, Right, and Center. Find more Left, Right, and Center programs and podcasts at kcrw.com. Welcome back to Left, Right, and Center. I'm Lawrence O'Donnell, sitting in as moderator for Matt Miller. Robert Shear is in San Francisco. Tony Blankley is in Washington, D.C. Ariana Huffington is away for the holidays. Uh, with the midterm elections are coming up in 2006 in the Congress, there's a lot of factors that will be in play. Uh, the popularity, unpopularity of the war in Iraq, how that's going. Uh, also, the scandal involving Jack Abramoff, a uh, Republican lobbyist, certainly a lobbyist who favored Republicans. Tony, is Jack Abramoff going to bring down the Republican Party in 2006? Well, I I, I don't know, but, but I don't doubt that the Democrats will have the corruption argument to make against the Republicans just as There are the now, just parenthetically, did. there are now stories that Abramoff may be 
testifying at some point about yes, and possibly may, and testifying may, about dozens of Republican congressmen. And, and some Democrats probably too. But that that will pri- primarily help the Democrats, even if there are Democrats included. Republicans are in charge. Abramoff is more commonly associated with Tom DeLay and Republicans. And there's no doubt that, I mean, if I were a Democratic operative, I would fully expect to be able to generally put forward with some plausible credibility that the Republicans are acting corruptly. Now, the polls, by the way, tend to show that the public believes both parties are corrupt. But this will be useful for the Democrats in any event. I don't doubt it. Whether that's sufficient to take away the 15-seat net majority the Republicans have, I think that alone probably won't be. If you add it to great hostility to the Iraqi war, which I don't presume will be there, but could, depending on how events unfold, and if the Democrats are adequately funded, this could be a very, very close contest for control of the House. House uh, in November. Tony, you used to work in the in the House on the Republican side. You, I did. You know the way it feels in those hallways. Are they quaking in their boots up there right now about Abramoff? Um, some people are. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know a couple who. Are. <laughs> uh, but luckily, they're not close friends of mine. So, uh, yeah. Look, the, of course, nobody knows what he's going to say, uh, and. You know, a lot of people are going to get you know, sort of drive-by swipings. It's not going to be, you know, indictable material, but it'll be good campaign fodder for their opponents. Probably, and I don't know the numbers, there will be some probably single-digit numbers who, who will be in the zone of, of legal vulnerability. Uh, there will doubtlessly be some staffers along with that. Uh, there will be a couple of Democrats at least. And uh, it's going to be a very messy season. And, and yes, of course, uh, nobody wants even to have a hint of, of impropriety around them, even though being in politics, uh, they should expect that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking right now for Republicans. Bob Shear, which should the Republicans fear more, what Jack Abramoff might have to say uh, about his dealings with them or the trial of Scooter Libby? Well, I think both uh, represent the betrayal of the Reagan revolution, uh, which I think Democrats should point out. I mean, these are people who came to Washington uh, campaigning against big government, the mess in Washington, the corruption in Washington, the people who lobbied uh, the bureaucrats and so forth. And uh, they have uh, the most corrupt uh, administration we've seen in modern history. Uh, And I don't think we've seen it all yet, but we've certainly seen enough. And the uh, Abramoff case is a very interesting one. He's not just some lobbyist. He was the head of the college young Republicans. He represented the new vision. Uh, He was involved with people like Grover Norquist and others. And he contributed heavily, and his colleagues contributed heavily to Republican causes. And even though there will be some Democrats caught up in it and they deserve to be slammed, this is basically basically a Republican lobbying uh, enterprise. And what has happened is that his co-defendant down there in Florida has now copped a plea. And so he's under tremendous pressure to, to plea bargain. Uh, Scanlon, his uh, colleague in, in scamming the uh, Native Americans out of uh, $86 million, uh, has copped a plea. So uh, what, what the betting is now is he's going to turn over, and the figure I've seen is at least a dozen congressmen. This will make us the biggest scandal in some hundred years in American history. I think Tony is kidding himself. It may not break fully in time for the, for the election, for this election. It certainly will be the big issue for the next presidential election, and the Republicans will have to explain how they came to Washington and had the biggest government we've ever had, with the biggest deficit we've ever had, with the greatest amount of foreign entanglements and messes, and the biggest corruption scandal involving special peddling influence. They have one-upped every corrupt Democratic administration. 
Bob, uh, wait, Bob, wait, you know, you ahead, always John. go a li- you always go about you know seven thousand percent beyond the good little. <laughs> you were going to say a little. You were going to say a just a little. <laughs> I and I I went you know five thousand point beyond the, to describe your seven thousand percent advance uh, overstatement. But uh, the 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 Bush administration is not by any plausible definition or measure the most corrupt, or even on on the list of of the ten most corrupt administrations. It's probably about average to to one of the more on, honest administrations. And the fact that Jack Abramoff, a, a, a lobbyist, is going to get in trouble, and the fact he may implicate congressmen, doesn't reflect on on the integrity of the Bush administration. And so I, I think you, it, it's it's not plausible to make that assertion in the face of Clinton, in the case of Nixon, in the case of Harding, in the case of Grant, to, to, to look at those kind of administrations and the level of corruption they existed, that they, they, they had, and then to say that this is the most corrupt, I think, impeaches the remainder of your otherwise accurate statements. Well, actually, I was comparing it to Lyndon Johnson, just to be charitable here. I was <laughs> thinking of a much more modern period, and, and I don't know, I don't want to be too kind to, to, to Nixon, but I think that they've pulled off stunts here that Nixon would have been embarrassed to pull off, and I would point out this... Uh, 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 Abramoff scandal goes into the White House. Don't forget, it was one, one of the people who's pleaded guilty already is a top procurement uh, official in, in the White House. Uh, this is not a this is a scandal that involves the Republican Party on the highest level and the White House and the now, Department not, of in, Department of Interior. You, as you, you are know. not going to sit. You are not going to sit there and say that a deputy at GSA is the highest <laughs> levels of the government unless it reaches into the into the antechamber of the Oval Office is not at the highest reaches, please. Bob, do you think this air of Republican scandal is going to be enough uh, to sweep the Democrats back into control of the House of Representatives? No, I think the problem with the Democrats is they have to find uh, – they have to uh, – somehow get comfortable in their own skin and, and, and act as if they are normal Americans with a right to, to, uh, to state positions. And they keep ducking for active. cover. <laughs> that, well, you know, I must say, like, for instance, Bill Clinton, I had a lot of disagreements with Bill Clinton, but he always acted comfortable in his own skin. And that's why they couldn't get to him. And that's why his popularity was much greater uh, than Bush's, despite all the attacks on him. Uh, you know, and the problem with uh, even his wife uh, as a candidate, she doesn't act as comfortable in, in her own skin. And certainly Kerry didn't. And, um, you know, I think the other problem with the House, uh, uh, well, actually with the Congress, is there aren't the, the numbers don't favor the Democrats. So, but I think it will be a lot closer uh, uh, Republican rule. I hope that they give up power for no other reason that maybe we'll have some investigations into to this stuff. But I do think the scandals are going to – this is going to be the year of scandals, very big ones. Tony Blankley, the uh, Democrats and the Republicans in 2006 will be maneuvering for their positions at the starting gate of the presidential campaign. Uh, Hillary Clinton, clearly front runner now in all the polls for the Democratic nomination. And as it happens, the former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, pro-choice Republican, uh, is leading all the polls for the Republican nomination. Who's going to emerge by the end of 2006 as the front runner for each of the parties? 
I don't know that anyone's going to emerge. I mean, there's no reason why Giuliani and McCain shouldn't continue to hold the the positions they currently do uh, in public opinion. There's nothing <coughs> seemingly coming up that would disrupt that. I think it'll be too early for any sort of more conservative candidate to make his run. 2007 will be the year to probably see that. Others will just be sort of raising money and beginning to position themselves. I don't see this 2006 as the decisive year. I think it's more likely to be decisive for the Democrats because Hillary, if she plays her cards right or wrong, will either be the presumptive nominee or will have discredited herself by her, her manifest cynicism. In that regard, I'm, of course, just quoting Ariana or paraphrasing Ariana. Uh, Bob, who do you think is going to be emerging from the pack in 2006? Well, clearly Hillary Clinton has uh, got a lot of strength. I, I, I have to admit that I'm, I don't have Ariana's position, and she would tell you if she were here. I have been a shameful shameless apologist for Hillary Clinton in the past, uh, and I, you know, tried to see her side of it. Uh, the deal breaker for me is if she won't come out uh, and critically evaluate what happened in Iraq and what's going on in Iraq, because you just can't, it's just dragging down too many of our resources. Uh, we've already spent $250 billion there. It's, it's starving other programs. With the Republicans just pushed through cuts that really hurt people in this country to total $40 billion. We'll throw $40 billion at Iraq in, in no time at all, another $40 billion. And so I think for Hillary Clinton to advance an alternative position and, and to take this opportunistic position on Iraq is a deal breaker. Uh, if she were to come out strong on it, I think she still could be a formidable candidate. I think she cares a lot about the issues. I think she's smart. Uh, and I think uh, the Democrats would, would go with her if she showed some um, integrity. Bob, uh, Republicans think of Hillary Clinton as a left-wing liberal Democrat. In fact, are liberal Democrats going to be Hillary Clinton's worst problem in getting this nomination? Well, and getting the nomination, certainly the liberals in the party have a, a big voice. It's not just a question of liberals, though. I mean, we have plenty of independents that want somebody. I, I think Tony but in, in the, the party, in the party the... getting the nomination, uh, she right now has a lot of problems with the liberal end of the Democratic Party and her well, position on Iraq. Yeah, and I think that, that Tony used the key word there, cynicism. I think people are tired of the cynicism. They know it, it, it doesn't really work. Uh, you know, Ronald Reagan, whatever he thought about him, stood for something or, you know, at least conveyed the sense. Uh, George W. Bush, you know, whatever your criticism of, he does seem to stand for something. So did Bill Clinton seem to. Uh, somehow the, the uh, Democrats don't convey that. I, I think Hillary has got to, to deal with that issue. And it's not just a question of liberals. It's independents. It's anyone, you know. You don't want to support another opportunistic candidate who's going to cave at the critical moments. And that's unfortunately what happened with Kerry. Uh, he caved. And uh, if Hillary Clinton can show the kind of backbone she has shown in the past, uh, she'll be very successful. And uh, I say this, by the way, I think of Hillary Clinton, as I thought of her husband, as a somewhat right of center candidate. I mean, Hillary made the famous statement, you can't be a successful lawyer without working for the banks. Right. And on certainly, on certainly on key issues, she's hardly a, a bleeding heart liberal. Okay. Uh, but Bob, we're just, about out of, we're just about out of time. We only have time left for our famed end of show left, right, and center rant with pet peeves from across the political spectrum. So, Bob Shear, go ahead with yours. Oh, well, let me just finish it by saying I know, I, I'm not expecting a great liberal candidate. What I was hoping for is somebody who would be consistent and honest and at least take on the administration on, on, on what is basically a betrayal of moderate uh, values, whether it be about the role of government or foreign intervention. Okay, Tony Blankley, go ahead. 
I was told to be prepared with a New Year's resolution. My resolution is to increase my beef and alcohol intake this year. I let it slip last year. I was eating entirely too much fish and iced tea. I have so much confidence, Tony, in your ability to do that. <laughs> I, I think that is the, the one New Year's resolution that I firmly I'm believe keep. in. I absolutely do. Uh, I'm without a rant. It's just not the mood I'm in at the end of this year. I would like to say just a closing word uh, to, to our audience about the loss of, of my dear friend John Spencer, who uh, everyone knows as Leo McGarry on The West Wing. And the show will not be the same without him. And I've had the pleasure of running into people uh, since that happened who come up to me and say, oh, I just loved that guy. I just loved Leo. I loved John Spencer. And the pleasurable part of it is to be able to tell people that that love was well targeted, that John Spencer really was as great a guy as he seemed to be on the air. But that, thank you for that private indulgence. And that's all the time we've got for today, thanks, as always, to Tony Blankley and Robert Shear. We had help today from WAMU in Washington, D.C., and from Sports Byline in San Francisco. Our technical director is Ray Guarna, with an assist from engineer David Green. Sarah Spitz produces this program. I'm Lawrence O'Donnell. Thanks for listening, and join us again in the new year for another lively edition of Left, Right, and Center. Audio archives and podcasts of KCRW programs are at kcrw.com. For questions and comments about Left, Right, and Center, email lrc at kcrw.com. Left, Right, and Center is produced and distributed by 89.9 KCRW Santa Monica and kcrw.com. You've been listening to KCRW's Left, Right, and Center. KCRW offers more than 20 podcasts, including Le Show, a weekly romp through the worlds of media, politics, sports, and show business with satirist Harry Shearer. Check out the podcast of Le Show at kcrw.com.